0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on FM, where we always look at the latest tech or news, gadgets, gizmos, good stuff that keeps us sane during these lockdown times. Quite. Quite a feature, feat I must admit, and I unfortunately have a bit of an echo on the line, hopefully you can't hear it, but uh, strange, normally our um, Skype connection is excellent, but anyway, moving on to some interesting stuff that's been happening this week, and although it's been a little quiet um, in the tech space, and obviously due to the lockdowns and the general sort of madness and mayhem that's inflicting our world in general, Um, The tech side has taken a little bit of a backseat, but so many things are related to tech. So many new technologies and platforms and systems and work-at-home things and connectivity stuff um, is coming out at this time, driven mostly by a desperate need for people to continue with their lives, to continue with their work, to continue with whatever it is that they were doing over the last couple of years. And, it is, and um, you know, it's brought some incredible innovation to the fore. Two things that we're going to talk about later on the show, which are pretty cool. And the first one is um, I've got the CEO of Africa Data Centers on the line who's going to explain to us about a great new acquisition they've made from Standard Bank of a massive data center in Samrand uh, near Pretoria. And um, the implication that has on all of us, I know it's back-end stuff, you know, data centers are not something you can touch or see or feel, but every time you pick up your smartphone, every time you pick up your computer, every time you talk to someone on Skype, that stuff is going through a data center. And the closer the data center, the better the data center, the better the service, the better the platform, the faster the speed. And, I mean, that seems to be where we are right now, talking to each other from screens and from uh, homes, Across the planet. And secondly, and quite interestingly, Microsoft, those guys that, you know, we're all using pretty much 95% of the world's on a Windows platform, quietly have been completely and utterly revolutionizing their business. Teams, the one um, platform that a ton of people use, jumped from close to 40 million to 70 million users pretty much overnight. And it's become one of the key de facto connection or or collaboration platforms out there. So we're going to discuss the Microsoft Build Conference, which went fully virtual in the Tech Talk Cafe, just after the Tech Talk Cafe segment. So before we get there, we've got to have a quick break, and then I'm going to talk about ESIMs, uh, iOS 13 launches. And a new COVID-19 detection tool. Well, it's not really a detection. It's a protection tool that uh, has been launched by both Google and Apple simultaneously. Talk about two besties getting together and coming out with a product. But anyway, we'll be back with that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving back to what is happening in the tech world, Though, again, pizza and tech always seem to go well, but that's another story for another time. Last week, and starting as of tomorrow, live across the entire Vodacom network, is something that a lot of us, me personally and many others that I know, have been waiting for for a long time. eSIMS on your Apple Watch has finally, finally come to South Africa, timing from a A cost point of view couldn't have been worse. Unfortunately, the cost of the new uh, Series 3 and Series 5 um, eSIM enabled watches is high, starting at about 11,000 Rand and moving up to an obscene 20,000 Rand for a fully fledged stainless steel version. That being said, the Rand is not where it used to be, but still, if you own one of those watches purchased elsewhere, won't mention that, or if you're looking to find a watch like such as one of the Apple watches, um, so that you can actually go for a run and not take your phone with you or go for some sport during your three-hour when you're locked out of lockdown. This is a brilliant, brilliant solution. So simply put, um, Vodacom have had their one-number platform for a while. They have now linked the eSIM platform to that. And what you can do is you simply either purchase a new eSIM-enabled watch, or if you have an eSIM-enabled watch, in the watch app, you Connect, you just say cellular, log into your Vodacom, uh, account, and for the first three months it's free, thereafter it is charged for, but you will automatically get the same number enabled on your watch, and when you leave your home, or when you, you, you leave your watch at home for whatever reason, your phone, your, your phone at home, your watch automatically switches on, and then you can make calls, receive calls, stream music, in fact do a whole host you Siri do a whole host of stuff that um, you would normally be only be able to do with your with your phone. And for me, it's it's just a brilliant thing because wearing an Apple Watch to go running, you've got to have a phone and a watch, and it just becomes a little bit. Or doing sport becomes a little problematic. This way, you've got a fully cellular-enabled watch for safety reasons. You can make calls, receive calls, emergency calls, you name it. You can track everything. You can stream music through earbuds using your watch only. It's just quite a big step in untethering yourself from the phone itself. A whole host of apps still work. And, um, it's just brilliant. Um, I'm, a, I'm waiting for a series five watch to be delivered so I can give it a good trial and uh, make it work as promised. But I have tried it. It works extremely well. It's pretty slick and easy to set up. So all of you out there who want to, and you're on Vodacom, go for it. It's, it's available actually now, but it will be fully live on the 22nd of May. MTN do support eSIM functionality for all of you who are on, e- on MTN, but they don't yet support the Apple Watch. They do support the Samsung Galaxy Watch, which is quite interesting, but in a very limited way. I don't actually understand why the networks haven't got their act together and moved a little faster on this, but anyway. That being said, it is now available. You can now buy the watches. You can use them. And the the ability to have a completely untethered smartwatch is brilliant. And the biggest platform in the watch space is the Apple Watch. And um, it's great that finally we've caught up in South Africa and it's coming. I expect the other networks to race ahead now and do it. But Vodacom seemed to be on a bit of a tear with 5G launch, Apple Watch launch, A whole host of other features and functions coming from them. They certainly do seem to be pushing the boundaries faster than the other networks. Um, And on that note as well, yesterday iOS 13.5 launched. Now, all you iPhone lovers and users out there, it's quite a big update. I've been using it for a couple of days, the official version and the beta before that. And it, it really doesn't change a whole hell of a lot. But there are two very interesting changes, which are a complete sign of the times. The first one is that they've simplified the unlock process. Now, face unlock is just great. You lift the phone. It opens up. You do what you have to. You log into the bank. You do what you have to. It's just brilliant. However, in these COVID-19 madness days that we're living in, everyone's running around with a mask. And for some unknown reason, can't quite understand it. I'm being facetious, so excuse me. The phones don't like unlocking when you're wearing a mask. And then you've got to fumble and fiddle and it takes a bit of time and it just is a little clunky. Not that that's Apple's fault in any which way, shape or form. But what they've done in 13.5 is they've simplified the unlock process. It no, it, it actually realizes you're wearing a mask when you lift the phone and without any fiddling around, the passcode field automatically pops up quickly and fast and you can unlock it. Uh, This also works with the App Store, Apple Books, Apple Pay, iTunes, and any other app that supports signing in with Face ID. So it's not an ideal situation. It can't x-ray through your mask, but it certainly makes things just a touch easier and slicker when you do it. The other major um, thing that is coming and not yet utilized in South Africa, but globally it's becoming quite a big deal, is – and it's it's totally linked to this – is Apple and Google's COVID-19 tool launch. The API and the ability to to have apps that utilize this functionality is now available in iOS 13.5. And simply, it is a uh, Bluetooth-enabled system. It is extremely uh, privacy-aware, so it's not sharing your information with anyone. However, the exposure notification system actually helps any authority-developed or third-party app Notify users when they come into contact with someone who's been tested positive. So essentially, if you have an app and you you notify the app that you are you have been contacted positive, and you get into touch or you in the area, you don't have to do anything. You have to don't have to say anything. All you have to do, and it's totally anonymous. No one know no one will know it was you. But if by chance you in the last month or the last week or two. You have been around other people who've connected with your phone using that app and you've both got that app, it will notify that other person that they have been in contact with someone who has COVID nineteen and they should go and get uh, a test and they should go and be checked out. So it's automatic, it's anonymous, it is definitely secure. No one um no one no one will know who it is that they were in contact with other than the fact that they were. The one little uh, concerning thing and a security thing is that governments have been criticized around the system because they will be storing data um, of who and where and what and how. Um, but again, a lot of the laws are being modified to make sure that once this whole madness is over, those though that data and those um, sort of information about you will be deleted. But still, I think it's smart. I think this is going to become, especially when travel uh, starts again, this type of thing is going to become completely ubiquitous. You're going to see everybody needing an app showing something with regard to their COVID-19 status, or at least from a track and trace point of view, you'll land in a foreign country. They'll insist you download the app and register and log on so that they know where you are, what you've been doing, It sounds very much like Big Brother, but I think we live in a world where, unfortunately, that is just the reality of what we're doing. So we'll be back with a wonderful interview uh, in Tech Talk Cafe with uh, Stéphane Duproz, who is the CEO of Africa Data Centers. They're doing some amazing things and one of the best data centers in the world, based right here in South Africa, uh, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, right here on High FM. And with me on Teams, because we don't do the studio thing for the moment anymore, Stefan Dupraz, who's the uh, Chief Executive Officer at African Data Centers. Now, as you all will know, I've been going on about all these fantastic data centers and connectivity and stuff in the cloud and all these sort of things um, over many, many months and years because it's become a, a a significant feature in the technology landscape that we all work in for businesses, for people. And it's really important um, to understand what goes on in the background to make all these fantastic science fiction apps and, and things we play with every day and take for granted every day possible. So welcome to the, the show, Stefan. And tell us, you guys, um, Africa Data Centers, have just closed a massive deal in South Africa. Hey, good afternoon,
1: Stephen. Uh, thank you very much for uh, the introduction. Yes, I'm very proud to, to, to announce uh, that Africa Data Centers has acquired a, a very large and of particularly high quality uh, uh, data
0: center in Samran, Johannesburg, uh, that we are acquiring from Standard Bank. It was actually uh, Standard Bank-owned uh, uh, data centers. That's, that's quite a big step because I remember being at the launch of this data center when Standard Bank originally did it. It was like a kilometer floor area of close to a kilometer. It was one of the best in the country. And in fact, one of the best in the world at the time. And, um, it just shows how important data centers really are. So you guys now own it and it's no longer a proprietary data center. You're going to be able, you're going to be offering this, the, the facility to pretty much anyone who needs access.
1: I am particularly excited about that Steve. You know, for the moment, as you said, it's been uh, unbelievably uh, built and engineered at levels which are clearly probably the best in Africa and, you know, probably uh, uh, in the world, really. I, I, I confirm what you said before. So what we are excited about is that what has currently what, what, what has so far been I, I, I like to call it a hidden gem uh, that has been for the sole usage of its owner being a standard bank, we are now going to open it. So uh, uh, you know any organization, uh, whether uh, governmental or, or, or a company, is now going to be able to to, to have data center capacity in that unbelievable facility, as if you know, there were uh, uh, Standard Bank, and as you assume, Standard Bank has built it to you know unbelievable standard, as you mentioned yourself. And, and what we are excited about is, is that capacity that we are going to have to now offer uh, uh, that quality to everybody. You know, data centers are critical uh, for IT. Data centers are where uh, companies put physically their ITs, the IT infrastructure. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, the, quite a lot of them uh, have in the past thought that they could uh, keep that at a level of quality that is, I would say, a little bit obsolete. And very clearly, uh, what happened recently, uh, you know, is everything related to covid and the additional, incredibly additional use of online tools that we have all experienced, have clearly shown that IT assets were one of the key assets of any company. So what we are excited about is being able to assist uh, uh, companies into securing their IT
0: uh, more now that they have understood that it is critical. And in fact, there's been a, a, an ongoing trend, certainly globally, but accelerating in South Africa over the last little while to get rid of the data center or the service center in the basement and move that into large managed data centers such as your own and operate them through connectivity. So has that trend now start spiked? Are you seeing a big uptake in the last little while and do you expect that to continue?
1: There are two things happening at the same time. The first thing is that ICT in general, and that is mainly through the leading global cloud operators, have now identified, uh, I'll be blunt on that one, hmm. uh, Africa as a potential location to do good business, which has not always been the case before, up to the point where the big cloud operators are so bringing that digital transformation, uh, have now come to Africa and it started in South Africa. The fantastic news there is that not only have they started, but after a year or so they are now doubling or actually tripling their capacity.
0: So the what demand is you know. growing pretty much exponentially yeah. for their services.
1: And so so they are successful in selling the
0: services. That's really interesting. So, so we 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 are data centers
1: like Africa data centers do have that type of custom ship, that they actually subsequently, put at the disposal of their other customers in the same data center. So to answer your question, not only do we see now the world coming to Africa, but we also see in our data centers African enterprise and government and other service providers uh, wanting to come to our data centers because they can connect to those uh, international uh, actors, <coughs> and that creates a digital ecosystem, a digital hub, where uh, companies uh, globally and nationally will interact with each other, interconnect with each other, uh, creating unbelievable savings, creating unbelievable business opportunities uh, that uh, uh, you know everybody, every country in the continent. Uh, tries to see how
0: yeah. So, in fact, what we're seeing is that the same quality and capacity that an American company could have in America with their data centers is now being translated into the African context and allowing the African companies, big, small, to get very similar services to any other company anywhere in the world, whereas before they had to potentially buy them from companies with servers in, in Ireland or Germany or somewhere else in the world.
1: Stephen, you're absolutely right, uh, uh, and, and actually, one of the things that our Africa Data Centers we are really keen on seeing happening, and we are happy that it has started to happen, is we want to bring African data back to Africa.
0: That's actually a big point, and I mean there are a lot of laws now, such as the new Poppy Act, etc., that insist that certain data does not leave the country of its origin.
1: So, so you know what we have uh, done is is that we, we, we have created a, a global company operating in Africa. So we have put a mix of, of those unbelievable and
0: amazing African skills. Uh, do not let anybody tell you that there is a lack of skills in
1: Africa. That is just absolutely not true.
0: Well, that's very interesting to hear, because there is a bit of a general feel that way.
1: It is not the case. What, what has not really... Uh, been the case so far is is, you know, I have been uh, building and operating data centers for 20 years nobody has done that in Africa because the industry of data centers doesn't have 20 years so what we've done is that we've brought together people from Europe, from the US from uh, Asia and we have mixed them Uh, with our uh, uh, African teams uh, in in South Africa, Kenya, Zimbabwe, Rwanda, and other countries where we are about to deploy as well, to uh, mix skills and uh, uh, experience to be able to propose to both the highest uh, uh, demanding uh, international customers and also the highest demanding national customers, uh, a, a level of quality that is very rare uh, everywhere, and, and obviously in particular in Africa, but not everybody can do that, and that is one of the reasons why we are so excited about uh, that new acquisition uh, of, in the Standard Bank facility is, is that the, the quality of service, the, our unique quality of service uh, generated by this mix of experience and skills we can now combine it to what is widely recognised as the best data center of the continent and and we again intend to offer that completely unique combination uh to, to any organization conscious of the fact that IT infrastructure is now critical to their business.
0: It's not even the IT infrastructure, it's the access to the necessary infrastructure when and when and as it's needed, rather than, you know, in the good old days you had to take months, if not years, to get Upgrades and and necessary changes to your data center. Now it's as simple as logging in and and doing what it is that you need to do. But I mean, so you co-locating certain of these major suppliers in this data center as well as utilizing other people's hardwares. You mentioned that you also got physical hardware of clients in your data center where they can access their systems directly.
1: Uh, You're absolutely right, Stephen. We are not a hostel. We are a data center company. Meaning that what we do, and the only thing we do, but we do it at you know, scale. Because that's our only focus as a business, uh, is building and operating uh, uh, the, the shell, if you wish, for our customers to bring their IT into our data center. So it basically, uh coming to an African data center does not mean that you have to modify everything. It's just that you put your hardware, your existing servers in a place that is not only much more secure, because it's operated by people whose only purpose in life is to do that. So we go to bed thinking about that. And, and we wake up in the morning thinking about that. Uh, and, and that only does that. But also, if your IT equipment leaves your basement, as you mentioned, Stephen, and goes into a professional uh, uh, data center, the amount of savings you're going to make uh, uh, in, in terms of operating it and of connectivity it is going to be uh, uh, just really significant.
0: And you guys take care of all the things that people would have to concern about in having their own hardware. Obviously, you don't own the hardware, but the power... You've got massive redundancy, as I understand it, across all the power. You've got massive redundancy in terms of connectivity. So your operating ability is way in excess of, of, of something that most companies, even large companies, could, could potentially afford.
1: And that's the beauty of it, because it really is, again, customers who have their servers and their IT in our data centers, by all means, keep control of it. We don't. It's exactly the same as if it was in the basement, except it's better, <laughs> much better, and cheaper. And it is also, in an African data center, a location where you have an unbelievable uh, richness of connectivity, so you can choose several uh, uh, connectivity providers. And if one day you want to change,
0: you don't have to migrate anything. You just ask us, can you please unplug me from this one and plug you into the next one? Which is, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, what is the scope for that for smaller businesses in South Africa now? I mean, a lot of the AWS's and the Azure's, the people you mentioned earlier, um, are obviously doing a lot of work to try to give various IT services to smaller and medium sized corporations. Is there a place for them in, in your type of operation? Oh, very clear. You know, what, what, the digital transformation is a, is a is a complex endeavor. It is a necessary
1: one, but it's complex. And what what it generally ends up with is a combination. It's a combination of data or applications that you can actually put into the public cloud. You know, you mentioned a few names which we know very well. Okay, uh, and. Also, uh,
0: you know, the same companies, whether small or large, uh, which,
1: uh, you know, generally assess their data and applications and choose what some of them put everything in the, in the cloud. Uh, most of them don't. Most of them the you know, assess what are the level of flexibility, of security, and, 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 and all of those very important things. Which one they can... Uh, put in the cloud and which one is better for them to keep themselves. So typically applications or software uh, uh, serving core business in the essence of, of, of what you are are often considered by by enterprise as a little bit uh, difficult to migrate too fast into the cloud. So what they typically do is that they put it in our data centers and then they do their migration Uh, into the cloud partially or fully but at their own pace without precipitating and making mistakes. So that's what is called the hybrid cloud a bit of a private a bit of a public cloud.
0: But now that's actually a great way to move on to the next topic here and that is where do you see this all going? I mean through the work at home environment we're all involved in today with the, the change in in the way that businesses are operating and had, we're forced to operate in a very quick way. Do you see the ability to connect to your company's various systems and platforms from anywhere at any time is going to become the standard at which business needs to, to adhere to the way that it is rather than any other method of connecting and doing business?
1: I am convinced of that. Really, uh,
0: which is good uh, for your uh, business. Connect. whatever happens ends up being good for data centers because that's where the the whole digital life is is happening, providing you are on the right
1: positioning and providing a good service, but getting back to your question, what we are experiencing as we speak, you and I because you know I can see your face and I'm not sure the editors can uh, but at least let us tell them that that, that we are using online tools uh, and, and the quality of it is pretty good What it means is that the providers of those tools, and I I don't want to give a a name that you have already given in in this conversation, but the provider of those tools need to not own and need to have that IT capacity to provide those tools very close to their users.
0: And in fact, the closer to the user, the better the performance.
1: Absolutely. And and now that uh, their users are less centralized than they were in the past, typically with quite a lot of employees uh, working from home, and I do believe that that is a trend that is going to continue after uh, the COVID crisis, then that combination, always the same combination, you mentioned yourself earlier in that conversation, is that combination of content or the tool and connectivity. So you need to have the content, and the content is, you know, we are uh, uh Exchanging content at the moment, the content is the recording of, of this conversation. Uh, uh, is, is is some content, and that content needs to be accessible uh, to uh, the large, uh, as large as possible, uh, uh, as many as possible users, very close to where they are, and that is going to be the key foundation milestone of the development of the digital life in general and obviously its foundation, the data center, in Africa. Because the content, the content that is generated in Africa is absolutely huge, huge. Africa has leapfrogged a lot of uh, the digital steps, and has gone much faster than we've done in Europe uh, at the time. So the, 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 the dynamics of the digital development is huge in Africa, and it is now very clearly understood by everybody that the infrastructure supporting this development has to be in Africa. And that's what we're doing.
0: And finally, it is actually coming to Africa. There has been a proliferation, and I read that you guys are, are building new data centers across Africa all the time. There's a couple of new ones coming online very soon. And the, the, the simple fact is that the growth of the demand for these type of services is matching, if not outpacing, your ability to, to deliver them, I would imagine.
1: Uh, the demand is, 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 is taking up, you know, enormously. And yes, we are trying to catch up with, with the demand. But again, what is important, if you want that whole thing to work properly, if we want that the trust in Africa's capacity to deliver the services properly, if you want that, you just really need not to precipitate and make sure that what you are building is up to the highest standards. And I am seeing quite a lot of the Judaism here and there across the continent that want to go too fast and because they don't have the day-to-day relationship with you know, those international customers bringing that demand for level of quality, which we do every day. Uh, so, uh, yes, we are making sure that we are building the highest level of quality in order to secure uh, the digital development uh, in, uh, in Africa, and that is, as I said, uh in, in, in South Africa for the moment South Africa, Kenya, uh Rwanda Zimbabwe and uh we have announced uh today actually that we were uh coming to West Africa uh with an immediate focus on Nigeria and Ghana and uh, uh quite a few others uh other countries and key digital
0: homes that we want to build across uh various other countries. So, finally, the internet has finally arrived in Africa, and uh, we no longer have to be ashamed of our poor connectivity and our poor access to the various services that have been sort of taken for granted across most of the sort of more developed world, which is is a brilliant thing. So, thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a, a really good story, good story for South Africa, good story for Africa, and... Um, the last thing that I just I forgot to mention is that, for the most part, you talked about bringing this closer to the consumer. But what's a simple, practical thing that we all do every day that would benefit from having a data center in Midrand, rather, or not Midrand, but in uh, what – it's not Midrand. It's somewhere between Pretoria that and – Samran. Samran, that's right. It's just past Midrand. Um, what would the day-to-day benefit be for the average consumer – of all these wonderful tech toys that we play with having a data center so close to the major economic hub in South Africa.
1: It's, it's really a matter of, uh, again, uh, being able to access content fast. You know, you and I and, and the millions of people in Africa, uh, are, are watching uh, content over the internet every day. And actually create content. So typically, uh, you know, if I, uh, uh, you know, one of my uh, close direct reports had a, a a baby on, on on Saturday, and obviously congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. I will I to tran- tr- transfer those congratulations to, to him, and took a video of, of the baby and 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 uh, send it to me. And if that video when he uploads the video, goes to a server, say, in the USA, and then I also have to go and get the video uh, in in the USA, uh, and and the latency is is bad, then I'm not going to benefit from it as a person. And and we've all experienced that, you know, if if the video doesn't come within a couple of seconds, we just drop and, and, and forget about it, and we don't have the benefit of it. Now, if the place where that content, again, that video, is located, is close to, you know, uh, uh, my friend, uh, so that he can upload it very easily, and close to me so that I can download it very easily, then it creates that dynamism of circulation of of, of the content that makes us as consumers happy so we can watch videos, but if you apply the same principle to business, you can imagine how much is going to develop, uh, uh, you know, the speed of exchanging data
0: and, and consequently doing business. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I think that's, that's actually really cool. So no longer when you push the enter button do you have to wait before you get an answer. It's pretty much instant. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll watch the space and continue to watch videos, which will help those people that keep the videos at your data center. So thanks so much for joining us, and we'll watch and see how these things develop as they go ahead. Thank you very much, Stephen, and thank you. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and now we are all data centered out in a big way. But it's it's a big deal. There's no question that having the internet close to us, having a data center right in our on our doorstep, so to speak. There are many, Cape Town, Joburg, all over the show, there are a whole lot of new data centers. And it's a big deal. It really does change the way we work, the speed at which we work, how quick and easy it is to stream our favorite Netflix content and whatever it else else that we do. And it it's just a big deal. So now that we're all sanitized and ready for action, Microsoft had their their build conference this week. Now, like all other physical conferences where geeks used to get together, not only to enjoy the tech, but as well to to congregate in places like San Francisco and Cupertino and places around the world, COVID-19 has certainly wrecked that industry no end. Nobody is going to conferences anyway, and in fact, tech conferences all the way through to the end of 2020 have been cancelled. So expect. A lot of virtual stuff to go on. Microsoft did exactly that. They completely moved their build conference online and basically dealt with it as a type of um, collaborative online keynote, which is quite interesting. And they really have looked at what's going on. And as I mentioned earlier, their team's. App Which tons of businesses are using, especially in light of the various security concerns around various video conferencing apps, such as Zoom currently, though most Zoom, just as an anecdote, most Zoom breaches have been due to sheer stupidity of people setting them up, like tweeting the access codes to a Zoom conference, and then wondering why weird people log on and play all sorts of strange videos or harass the people, because why not you gave them access let them come and do what they please so craziness anyway back to uh, the microsoft te- uh, you know microsoft build conference and teams essentially what is happening in a nutshell i mean i haven't got enough time to talk about the whole conference but essentially what has happened is that microsoft are moving more and more of their particular products and systems and platforms into an online collaborative Work environment. And they're bringing huge improvements to their their browser, which will again make things a lot easier. They're bringing a lot of changes to the Teams app. Now Teams utilizes a ton of the technology, the Skype technology that you and I are talking on now. They are going to increase the number of people that can be seen on Teams at any point in time. And also what they're doing is making it far easier for professional broadcast people to take each single stream of Teams um, so if they are five people doing a video, they can take each one video, not all of them together. Right now, if you record it, you get all five and all the information. However, what you can do for broadcast versions and for higher quality stuff, you can now isolate each one of those streams into a separate video feed and connect them to various platforms going forward. But apart from that, the one, the coolest, coolest technology that was announced is something called Fluid Office Documents. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole technology of this, but we're all very used to using things like um, Office with Word and Excel and PowerPoint and all the usual stuff, which pretty much dominates both work, school and, and and our personal lives for a large extent. But what they're doing is decoupling the elements that we create from the basic underlying app. And this is so science fiction, it's scary. But essentially, if you create a spreadsheet or you create a chart or a to-do list or an agenda, those items will be entirely fluid across absolutely everything that you're doing. And they, I watched the demonstration of how they did this across all their online um It's not entirely ready yet for offline apps like uh, Excel or Word. But essentially, if you create a little element, that little element can be dragged and dropped, collaborated on, up to a hundred people can work on it at the same time, um, and then reused across any platform. So no more will there be a file, no more will you have to open up an app to deal with something. You simply create, you simply start typing into a, a little element, and that element becomes, has all the features of Word or everything that you need and you can simply drag and drop it and move it anywhere you want and use it anywhere you want and collaborate on it with up to a hundred team members or other people. So pretty science fiction-y and it actually heads or gives an indication of where we're going in the whole technology space. Now, unfortunately, I have to quickly break for a, um, an ad break and then I'll be back with a couple last thoughts and last little tech elements of the day, um, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now back to a quick wrap up because I can see our time has absolutely flown today, but a quick wrap up of what is happening with regard to the whole, um, Microsoft fluid thing. Uh, it's, it's just, I was so, ch- I was so impressed with the, the thinking behind the tech, that the whole fluid framework is going to implement. And it's just the best the best way to describe it so that it makes sense to the average user is that what they've done is they've turned certain elements that you use day-to-day, every day, into a type of Lego blocks of Office content that is live on the web. And that's their description, and it actually is perfect. So tables, graphs, lists, and other elements – images that you used to pop into a word document and into an excel document and drag and drop across the two is now transformed into a live collaborative module that you can use across anything that microsoft offer within the office 365 environment online at this this uh, moment that it ex- that that exists outside of a normal document and i know that might not sound like a lot right now but think about uh, a to-do list for a group collaborating online and the thinking goes deeper than this essentially I've been working on this for 18 months but the timing now is perfect you've got an entire office team working across home office other offices lo- global locations all working on a, a particular project and you need a live updatable list of items that need to be done and everyone needs to collaborate on it Right now, it was a matter of doing something in Excel, moving it across, taking it in Word, sending emails and sharing and doing all sorts of things. So essentially, we're talking about a type of Google Docs collaborative element on steroids that essentially, as it grows and as it transforms, will change the nature. No longer will you keep a file, you'll link a project and all its elements To a Teams group, the Teams group will work with it, and the final output will be shared and collaborated across everybody. And it actually really does change the way that we work and the things that we do. So some amazing stuff. There's some really interesting stuff coming to Windows. Windows is getting a a little bit of a revamp. There's going to be a new start menu. There's going to be a whole lot of other ways of working on your desktop or your laptop or your tablet And all of these things are coming in the next couple of months from Microsoft. So if you're interested, go and have a look at Microsoft.com. Look for their build conference and have a look at some of the deeply geeky stuff that they're coming up with. But all of it will ultimately transform into what you and I and everybody actually deals with on a day-to-day basis. Now, moving on to my last two little apps that I really want to talk about this week because there are so many new things coming in that space again all smartphone based but Nedback, most unsupri- most surprisingly have just launched a new app they call it a super app called AVO. now really really something i wasn't expecting and something that comes sort of left field but essentially what a super app is is a in old in old days used to call them portals but it's a simple um app that combines online shopping all sorts of essential services and financial products into a, a single platform. So you can get online groceries. They've partnered with OneCart. Now, if you've never tried OneCart, that's actually a very interesting thing. Very simple. You go online, you One OneCart, you download the app, you order what you want to do, and someone shoots out, does the shopping for you, and brings it to your door. You don't have to leave your home, and off you go. So have a look at this one. It's called Evo. You can download it from... Uh, From the various app stores, there's digital home entertainment, you can buy airtime and electricity, and what's clever is you can get points, points that you can use to redeem on other things. And the benefit really is in this day and age, especially, for example, with PPE, there have been so many scams and problems. So this is a great way to get curated, honest, and trustworthy uh, recommendations from an institution like Nedbank, which are a trusted institution. And on that note, I'm afraid our time has come. It's time to end this. Listen in next week. I'll have some more interesting news, views and interviews. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High fm